Hello and welcome to Superpowers with Tasha, the podcast that celebrates differences and the extraordinary power that lies within each of us. In a world that often focuses on limitations, this show shines a light on the unique and incredible abilities that each of us bring to the table, turning what society may perceive as limitations into sources of strength. We hope to inspire you to embrace your own superpower, whatever that may be, and to recognize the amazing potential you have. Hi everyone, welcome back to Superpowers with Tasha. And today we've got some familiar faces you may know. And you know, this episode is gonna be all about going back into my history and growing up and give you that advice as well and much more deeper into that. So I'd like you to welcome my mum and dad, i.e. Nikki and Taz. Hi. <laughs> Say hello. hello everybody, hi. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, it is a bit weird, but you get used to it. Like, yeah, it's fine. You know, just have a little chat. Yeah, no, I mean, it's weird you grilling us for a change instead of the other way <laughs> around, you. you know. <laughs> what do you mean? You never grilled me. We did. After a night out, where have you been? What have you been doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's like when you're a kid, so. Yeah. So we're going to take it back to, obviously, when I was born. How did you kind of start seeing the signs that I was, you know, deaf? We never really kind of sussed it until we went for the health visitor checks mm. um, where you the squeak toys behind you and see if you respond to where they are. So the walk behind you, squeak a toy. I think we had three of those and you didn't respond. But you also, and we weren't sure if it's related or not, but you also used to make this horrendous noise. <laughs> and it wasn't a scream, it wasn't a cry, it wasn't a shout, it was just a horrendous noise. Really? And we're not sure if that was because you could maybe hear that level we're not, we're not quite sure. But, you, yeah, you filled three of the health visitor checks mm. um, and then they referred us to a specialist for more investigations. Yeah. I think it's very easy when you've got a, a little baby that, you know, a lot of communication isn't verbal anyway, right, in normal life. It's visual. So if you're talking to a baby, you normally coo-coo-coo and the baby's responding to what you're doing, your mannerisms and everything. So... You're getting some feedback, so you don't. We didn't think no, really that there was responding. a hearing problem, you know, because right. you're responding to different things. But you it, used to also follow us a lot. Yeah. So you'd like wherever we were, you'd crawl through. <laughs> when you were crawling, yeah. you'd have to see us all the time, so you'd yeah. be off. <laughs> normally, normally with two of my special CDs on your hands, on the Alex's um, CDs as well. <laughs> I used to ruin like all of Dad's famous like Kylie Minogue like mm. special CDs. You ruined some of Alex's games. He wasn't happy. Sorry, Kylie. And Madonna as well. Your your one built in Q music, which was awesome. Q sound was the latest <laughs> sound and it was ruined. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. I think obviously I don't obviously I don't remember when I was a baby or growing up and when you went to the hospital and they said she's deaf, like how did that feel for you in that moment? Would you say? Were you kind of scared or were you kind of prepared for what was to come? Well, you got referred to the specialist in the field hospital in York, who were fantastic, and you were put under anaesthetic. You had a brainstem test, which is how the test, the level of deafness, wow. and that's how it came back, profound, profoundly deaf. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a mix of feelings, wasn't it, I mm. think? Um, you know, the sort of devastation, I suppose. If, if, if I could just do a few words, you know, devastation, guilt. We felt that, didn't we? I mean, we, we sat and cried with each other. But I think an overwhelming, really more importantly, an overwhelming sort of worry for you and your future. What would that look like mm. for, for you and, and what do we need to adapt to, to your needs to help you flourish in life, regardless of what superpower you're born with, you know? Mm. But yeah, it was emotional. I think the first week, you know, we were almost grieving, I think, in a, in a, in a strange way, but... Yeah, I think we half expected it because we all we all we already had the health visitor checks, and I think we'd already had could be conversations with the health visitor. So you kind of you, you kind of half expected that result to come back, but you hope mm. it wasn't going to come back. Yeah. Um, but you, we were surrounded by so much help with the NHS as well. So even that it, after that initial sort of results, they were straight in there with options and help and audiology appointments mm. and you know more hearing tests and speech. It it was kind of overwhelming yeah at first but yeah it was scary mm. um but we you know battled our way through it 
Yeah. Got every help, every bit of help we could. Yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously I had hearing aids, didn't I, at first? Just before you were one, yeah. Yeah. So why, because obviously hearing aids didn't benefit me at the time. Was that purely because cochlear implant wasn't ready for me to have at the time? It was, but I don't think they were totally sure that the level of loss. So they tried those as a, a first phase. And part of that as well is cochlear implant technology is very expensive. Hearing aids are cheaper. So you need to be suitable for cochlear implant in a few ways. A, the type of loss that you've got. Mm. So yours is sensory. The hairs in the cochlea are damaged at birth. And, and the, other, the other thing they look for is whether or not you can, you'll be a good wearer of that technology. Because a lot of kids reject it. They just rip it off. Mm. And there's no point implanting a kid that's going to do that. So it's a, it was, I think, a, a way to try and get you some sound into your ears. Yeah. Um, and you and never took those hearing ears off. Yeah. We had, she came, Kate, the audiologist from York, came to fit them at the house. And you were just before one, I think. Yeah. Um, and there was me, you, my mum and Kate, tiny little baby sat in the middle of the room. Mm. Um, <laughs> On the floor And together. she put these little hearing ears in each ear and you never took them out. Really? Yeah. And when we started talking, you you cried. Yeah. And when we stopped talking, you stopped crying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I don't want to hear your because, voices. Exactly. That's what I yeah. thought. Oh, no, I've got years of this. No, I don't want to hear these people today. Yeah. Because you could finally hear things. Yeah, yeah. you realised at some point that when, when we're doing this with our mouths, that noise comes out. And you went, you went behind, she went behind Kate, I remember, and cried and was like, what the hell's that? You know, it's, things are making noises now. And it was it wasn't intelligible noise for you yet because yeah. those hearing aids can't do that for your type of hearing loss. Yeah. But nevertheless, you you were hearing sounds that you hadn't heard before. So yeah, it was probably ma quite magical for you. But I guess you don't remember, right? Uh, no, yeah. I really don't remember going through. I remember I used to have like a purple hearing aid, a sticker on it. Oh, I'm making that. You up. can get your moles different colours. Yeah, yeah, I think so I like yeah. a, um, so a the, cartoon on it or something. Yeah. yeah so the That's moles right. that go into your ears. Yeah. A little clear plastic effectively so of silicon you can have those different colors yeah so as you, as you wore them more we used to get different colors for you mm. and as you got older you wanted them with cartoon characters on or flowers or <laughs> yeah. something yeah. <laughs> a, little bit, like, a little cartoon character i remember it was like i can't remember what cartoon it was but i remember that but i don't really remember going through the hearing aid phrase that much mm. Like looking back, and obviously I used BSL as well whilst I had hearing aids. Yeah, I mean that was the biggest thing, wasn't it? We it, immediately when we found out before the hearing aids came, we were like, okay, we need to learn sign language, and oh. we all did. We went to night class. Alex came as well, your brother, and we started, didn't we? we just uh, we we need yeah. to we need to adapt. We need to communicate with each other, and um, and that was the way we did it. Mm. And then after your analog hearing aids, they went to digital, right? And which are more programmable yeah. to your hearing loss. And they were slightly better. I think, I think you probably got more intelligible noise through those because they were focused on the soft sounds where a lot of your loss was. And it sounds easy now, but there was many trips to the hospital, wasn't there, to realise where the hearing losses were. It takes a lot of data mm. for you to realise, and that data comes from multiple visits. Yeah. And then they tune that digital hearing aid to those losses. So a lot of soft sounds like p, f, s, so mm. gymnasium. You know, if you take away the soft sounds from that, it sounds like anasm yeah, or, or something like that, right? So it's... you can probably remember doing those, though, can you? Going to the hospital and you'd sit in a room like this, yeah. a soundproofed room, mm. and they'd make different noises, and you would have to press a button when you hear yeah, it. Yeah, when you hear the little. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I remember that when you hear a noise. Oh, the Duracell bunny. It. Remember the Duracell bunny? Yeah. yeah, that used to scare me a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was freaky. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a bunny, like through a see-through glass. Yeah. And it was like scary and I used to sit there like just on my ear in the room like trying to hear sounds but that's obviously part of like the hearing therapy isn't it after when you have to go through and then when they kind of gave you the option for me to have a cochlear implant how old was I at that point? The option. Four, no, you had it just yeah. before you were five yeah. the optimum time is before your fifth birthday yeah. mm. so under five is, was mm. back then the best time to have it so I think we started the assessments sort of beginning of the year that you turned five. Yeah. And literally, because you were such a good candidate, you flew through the assessments mm. and then they gave us a, a date for an implant pretty much. Mm. It was really quick. Yeah. 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 Really, really quick. And a great team at Bradford, Professor Rain, Chris Rain, Jane Martin, head Jane of service Martin. there. Yeah. They were outstanding, weren't they? Brilliant. The whole team Brilliant there. Team. Yeah. 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 We can't fault the NHS and the care that you've had for this. They, mm. they were fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously then after having my cochlear implant, I had to work on my speech as well. So mm -hmm. I can't really remember what my speech was like when I had my hearing aids. Was it there? Was it not there? Was it kind of? It was It was very muffled. It was, you know, if you have a hear hard of hearing person 
or even a deaf person who doesn't have any technology and they try and talk because the words don't make sense, the language can't make sense, right? Mm. So you were like that, yeah. um, but not, not not as bad. There was some intelligible yeah. words, you know, and I Love You was, was one that we, we focused on a lot. Um, we used a lot of tools for that to make you feel that everything was okay. I brought a tool with me. What tool? Well... <laughs> You might remember. Not dad being in the surprises. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, do you remember... Oh, Barney. No way! Barney! So, <laughs> this is the original Barney that Tash had when she was four and five. Oh, my God. Now, I dug him out of a box in Spain that took me a long time to find, but I found him. And sadly, his voice box stopped oh. working. Oh, it goes like, get him I love however, you. you love however... Me. I found a donor, Barney, on the internet, Amazon in the US, and I got him shipped over and I've done a transplant of voice box <laughs> from the American one to this Barney, so he's still... Kiss from me to you. Oh, my God. You say you love me too. <laughs> there you go. There's Barney, all working. I used to love, like, having Barney in bed and I used to just, yeah. you know, put him on and just sing along with him. Yeah. And that, that was, you know, little tools like that just got you to be confident with speaking and... There was a lot of work at home, so you had mm. you had speech therapy through the NHS, plus we also went private for speech therapy mm. and found two amazing ladies, which wrote... Iona. I, yeah, I can't remember the names, but mm. they were fantastic. So you used to probably sure, have two sure. or three speech therapy sessions a week. Yeah. With, I think with... But there was also... You can't then just come home and forget about it. There was a lot of homework as well. Yeah. So they used to give us things to do at home. And mm. so, yeah, there was a lot of intense, intense work with you and your speech. Yeah. Mm. And at nursery school, of course, you had Marianne. Mm. Yeah. Great friend and family member and always will be forever. Yeah. Um, who helped you a lot with the... Because she was an expert in BSL. I mean, when she talks normally, she's doing BSL at the same time. Yeah. So she helped us all enormously with that. Yeah. yeah. So when it came to, like, going to school, for example... And I know that, you know, you think about sending me to like a deaf school, for example, mm -hmm. but actually you just sent me to normal public school. Like what made you do that decision mm. and not send well, we me to... We went to a deaf school. We went to, we went to a local one, Boston Spa. Mm. Fantastic school, amazing students, but we just didn't feel it was right for you. Um, yeah. It just didn't feel right, did it? It didn't. There was two big decisions, wasn't there? There was a, a the first big decision was, do we actually go with a cochlear implant? Mm. because we researched it and we were like, OK, it's quite a big operation. The technology was actually reasonably... I mean, it had been around since the 70s, I think. It used mm. to be a big processing box here, big cable all the way up the back of your head and a massive magnet, you know, and now it's tiny, right? Like, yeah. all technology develops. So that was the first big decision. And then the second decision was exactly that, you know, do we go mainstream or mm. or, or deaf school? And, and actually, the, the biggest decision, I think, is that you've, you've got to consider what you might want in the future. You might not have liked us or thanked us for going down the cochlear implant mm. route or the mainstream school. And these decisions were decisions we had to make without your input because you weren't old enough to make them. Yeah. Mm. I think we got it right. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> and, the, and the school was an amazing school, but they used, they mainly used BSL. And mm. for you, we wanted, because your speech was coming on, we yeah. wanted we wanted to kind of use both with you and for your your speech to be, you know, to be still worked on. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you had amazing friends where we lived, and all those, you know, all your friends going to the local school. So we just wanted to be with them as well. Yeah. And that's yeah, Maryam was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and the school, you know, Richard Wilderhead, yeah. and he was very open and welcoming, and was like, absolutely, we'll get the funding yeah. we need, we'll get the teaching assistant, and the whole engagement of the school. You know, I mean, I remember Maryam offering to do sign language classes to did, any yeah. of the kids. Yeah. The whole school turned up. Yeah. You know, she yeah. was like overwhelmed. Because the kids wanted to, to you know, embrace you as well. So it was, yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah. I remember that school, first prime school it was called. And I remember the head teacher. What was his name? Richard, Richard, Richard Wilde. Wilde. Yeah, Mr. Wilde. I used to love Mr. Wilde. And, like, the primary school was so good for bringing me in and really taking me. And I feel like that primary school really did me really, really good. Yeah. So I think, in a way, like, I'm thankful that you did send me to yeah. a mainstream because it also forces me to communicate with having to have conversations with people and you know that really helped my speech at the time as well so I think that was probably the best decision you made and obviously with the cochlear implant as well I get a lot of parents messaging me saying you know 
they're having to make this decision for their child and it's hard for you know the parents and for you guys to make that decision and what advice would you give on that scenario when having to make that decision for their child like do they go for Cochrane plan or you know figuring out what's right for the child you know do as much research as you can Mm. meet other families we met other families with children with cochlear implants yeah Yeah. um which was you know it's fantastic and it was great to see how those children were were sort of coping with their implants and and they were slightly older than you so you could ask them about how they felt about it yeah um Mm. and it was all positive um so yeah just do lots lots of research meet other people yeah and i'll say the cochlear implant team at bradford were good at Mm -hmm. introducing us to Mm. other children that have been through that i remember going to a house in on the outskirts of Harrogate. harrogate And it was Josie, I think her name was. Yeah, she was quite a bit older than you. Yeah. yeah. And she'd been implanted a couple of years. And the mum said, like, say hello. And she was talking pretty normally, you know. And then she said, oh, you like gymnastics, don't you? Now, I used that word before, right, because that's got a lot of soft sounds in it. And she said gymnastics perfectly with the S. And, the, and I was okay. like, ah, that's the magic this technology can bring. Hmm. So for me, it was a non-brainer at that point. I think that was a mad, that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me about, about going down the route with the CI, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember like the switch on? Because I don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It was a bit anticlimax, to be fair. Mm. So the switch, the switch to on, and I think we were expecting all these wonderful things to happen, and didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the car on the way back, I think it was quite, it was quite upsetting mm. um, because you had to. You've been hearing through hearing aids for three and a half, four years. And with a cochlear implant, you then have to learn all those sounds again because mm. everything sounds different. So it's training your ear again. Yeah. Even though I think I was sat in your bedroom with you, sort of talking to you or showing you loads of things, thinking, come on, you've got to hear, you've got to hear this, you've got to hear this. But you did hear paper turn. Okay. And you were hearing birds, birds pretty yeah. much straight away as well, which you hadn't heard before. Yeah. It was gradual and it was a long, long process because we had to go to the hospital very regular for, for tuning, mm. uh, once a month, I think, at that time. So it was quite intense to mm. get your implant to the level where it needed to be for you to start hearing different levels of sounds. Yeah. But you started noticing things. Mm. Like little things. Yeah. Birds yeah. Birds was a, a beautiful yeah. moment because yeah. you were like, what was that? You know, you yeah. know it, it's the first time you'd heard a bird tweet. You know, that's a magical... <laughs> It's a magical, magical moment, you know. I still do that now. I'll be outside and I'll be like, what's that noise? I'm trying to figure <laughs> out where it's coming from. I'm like, oh, what's yeah. that? Yeah. And like, Andrew's like, oh, it's this or that. And like, yeah, I still even do that nowadays. Like, sometimes yeah. they hear like little, sure. little things that I haven't heard before. Your sound is only received from this direction, in, mm. in this area only, you know, not from here, not from behind. So unless you're looking at it, it's you still probably won't hear a lot of stuff that, that we hear. Yeah. 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 Another common question I actually get asked is why do I only have one implant? This is a very, very common question. I always get asked and, you know, it'd be great for you to explain why at the time do you only give me one implant when, you know, I've got hearing loss in both? We were only offered one yeah. at the time. Mm. Um, and again, probably because of the cost, maybe. And let's see how she is with one. And then you were offered the second one when she was 14. You were going through your A-level yeah, at college. 15, yeah. 15 yeah. 16. Yeah. It's also as, as well, because technology has always been improved, they didn't want to do two in mm. case then something mm-hmm. else came mm-hmm. in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And at that time, yeah, it was only one implant. Now the implant babies were two. Yeah. Right. Bilateral straight away now mostly. And a lot of European countries do that as well. Mm. Yeah, you made the decision that, you know, you were old enough at that point to make that decision yourself. Yeah. We didn't push you in either direction. We all talked about it, didn't we? And you said, I'm happy with one. Yeah. We respect that decision today. It's uh, yeah. your decision. Yeah, because I think, obviously, it broke when I was in my A-levels. Yeah. Well. I also had to go through yeah. the re-operation yeah. of, you know. So basically, what happened was that I was, I remember I was in the house and it just went off. And sometimes, cochlear implant, you have to change spare parts or you have to, you know, change certain parts of it to work again. We were doing that, weren't we? Nothing was working. We went back to hospital, went to the hospital of Bradford, and it's about an hour and a half drive away, so it's quite far. Got there, and they changed some parts. It was working. We were like, woo, yeah. started driving back, and then it went off again. Yeah. And we were like, okay, well, something's not right. So we went back to the hospital, and they did internal checks, and that's kind of when they said things are cochlear implants. They kind of have a lifeline of... Um, ten was to, about 10 years. Yeah, 10 to 15 one. years, yeah. like, in between. So it's not, it's not a thing that's forever, so... Obviously, it broke internally, so there was no point of me wearing my cochlear implant. I had to wait for my operation. I couldn't wear it for a while after as well to let my ear heal. So I do remember that was probably really hard for me mentally that time because I was in the middle of my A-levels. I had to do that. 
yeah. in my second year, but I actually still was going to college. Yeah. I was still getting the train. I was still, you know, mm-hmm. pushing myself to do as much as I could with my work at college and still going to watch the shows. Mm-hmm. I think I actually did a dance as well for, I think there was like, what do you call it when people come visit the college, have a look around. Yeah, like a... Yeah. Induction day. Induction, yeah. And we did a dance and I actually still did it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but it was also mentally challenging at the time of, you know, having to deal with it as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I remember my birthday and that was hard. And I had a massive breakdown and I think that was my 15th or 16th birthday, I can't remember. Because like all my friends were around... Like everyone was having fun, having conversations, but then I couldn't really join in. And it, yeah, I remember it was definitely yeah a tough time at that point. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. And, and yeah, if we had a magic wand, we would have taken that away, but we couldn't. Mm. Oh, Dad. <laughs> I feel like we're going to cry a lot on this, <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> but you got through it. You worked hard and got through it. Yeah got a new implant and hmm. and then like I think with dancing as well that massively helped with my like mm-hmm. hearing in a way so obviously you, you sent me to dance class like in a local dance studio in my town you're about three when you first started dancing was that just like grooving you just were just yeah you just, I was born a groover no, I wouldn't, say it, was, I wouldn't it. say it was that good so you started ballet at the age of three just before three you started with uh, dance classes yeah. and then progressed into all other different areas which you wanted to do was I good that then? That yeah. Was well, you would, prop, yeah, you you would copy. Uh, we've got Steps to thank for, for a lot of that <laughs> yeah. as well. I mean, we watched Steps Gold on DVD until it got burnt out, you know. <laughs> um, and you would copy the mo- because you couldn't hear the music really then, but you mm. could feel the vibration. We had a wooden floor, a, a laminate floor. Mm-hmm. I think that, there were some big floor speakers, so the vibration yeah. came through the floor, through your feet, and you would copy the, the moves, you know. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I one popped up on Facebook the other day. You were doing tragedy in a little pink... Um... <laughs> pink fairy outfit. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that video. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Steps, if you're watching. Yeah. Lovely but I guys. think that helped with your confidence. The dancing really helped. Mm. Yeah, it did, I think. Way. Yeah, I think dancing is massive. It's like a safe space in a way for me. And even to this day now, like, I still love to go to dance mm-hmm. and just yeah. dance it out. And, like, going to Creative Academy, that massively helped me find my confidence in who I was as a person and did it surprise you guys that I wanted to do dance as like a no, career? Because, no because you, I think you said it from a very early age mm. like you wanted to do some kind of dance. Yeah. You never really said anything else you wanted to do anything else. Yeah. Didn't surprise me but I, I, I was like how are you going to make money out of that in the future? Yeah. Because that's just a dad thing you know I was like how's she going to pay the bills dancing but you know you, you have. normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you never said you wanted to be anything else. Yeah. yeah. Apart from a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, think. I don't I can't imagine you doing any sort of being anything else. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what else would you have done. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know what I would have done. A model, maybe. You're doing not you're not doing bad on that. No, I probably would have done um ar- architecture. Yeah. I actually quite or like interior design. Or interior something. design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still creative, but you know, I feel like yeah. that would have been fun. Yeah. Something else I would have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Although you've done very well out of dance. I mean, you've finished, I think, the top of the class in, in uh, college in Wakefield, Kappa College. I wasn't at the top of the class. I mean, I you, you, did, were, you did well. You did? I thought you were. I did well, but oh, I wasn't okay. at the top. Oh, okay. <laughs> got an A. I, was... I got a few, yeah, I think I got like B and distinctions and A, yeah. And a distinction in uni, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got BA honours. BA honours, yeah. Yeah, mm. distinction, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Staffing. But I think wherever you've been, the school and the college and the uni have just been so supportive and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Having those conversations with where you're going to be going. So we had conversations with Kappa before she started and same with Creative. So it's, mm. you know, it's... Um, and yeah. they've all been, all been amazingly supportive. Yeah, I would say, you know, around anybody that's got a superpower, there's a lot of superheroes mm. helping them with that superpower and, and it, far and, you know, family, friends specialists the nhs all of them have, have all been part of your journey yeah. and um, yeah yeah and anybody else going through that you know when you were on love island we got contacted by many parents who were just finding out their child was deaf and we're still in touch with one i think you are as well nicola nicola yeah, yeah. she's due to her little baby's due to have lucia her implants in the next few months yeah mm. and she yeah. hadn't even thought about it really until she'd seen you on 
Yeah. I remember the first message. She was terrified. She was a young woman. She was like, I've just found out. I just don't know what to do. And then I just, I saw me and you in, in her, in her messages, you know, I was like, we felt the same. Listen, just calm down. You mm -hmm. know, acceptance is the first stage of that. And once you get your tears done with, and then once you accept it, then you, you realize the plan you can put in place and, and the help that's there. Hmm. So we're still in touch and she just up, up, yeah. updates us all the time. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to go. I'm probably going to pop up and meet Lucia at some point. Yeah. Uh, I feel like she's part of the family now. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. sweet. And I feel like, you know, with schools, I think quite a lot of parents get scared about how school is going to go because it's such a pivotal moment in like the child's life like high school is what five to six years so it is literally quite mm -hmm. a long period and I do remember I had options to have like a note taker yeah. in my class um having extra time in my exams um I'd also have that radio radio aid radio aid it was around your neck yeah so mm -hmm. there's this thing called a radio aid I'm not sure if they do it nowadays but I'm sure I where the teacher would wear a mic on her I basically plug something into my cochlear implant mm -hmm. and it's kind of like this now so i just hear the teacher talking into my implant basically but i actually used to get embarrassed about like it. it no i actually was really embarrassed and i didn't want to because it's like in a little case and i didn't want to like go into my class and like hand it to the yeah. teacher like, i hated it so i didn't really use it that much but looking back i kind of wish i did because i think i just had that embarrassment of like you know i wasn't confident i didn't really talk sure. about it at school and you know, I wasn't as open as I was back then. I was very, like, shy, quite introvert. Um, so I think, for me, I was just kind of very, like, I don't want anyone to see anything or, like, yeah. you know, ask And it was me. different because when you were at primary school, you used it. Yeah. You used it all the time, but you were with you were with those sort of, you know, your friends and those classes for the whole time. But then when you moved to secondary school and you've got so many different mm. other children coming in from other schools who didn't, who didn't know you. Yeah. Um, so I think it was quite scary for you. Yeah. I think that's what scared me because it's like you're kind of restarting again. Yeah. You're making new friends and yeah. you're kind of going through, you know, teenager problems as well and like all that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> going through puberty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And at primary school, we broke up as well. That probably had an, a, a, a profound effect on, on you and Alex. We know it did. But all that and then all the extra pressures that you all had, you know, it, mm. it, it, it's it's not been an easy ride for anybody, I'm sure. But, mm. hey, you come out the other end. We all have. Yeah, you know? no, definitely. Let's go to um, Love Island. <laughs> Favourite conversation. <laughs> we love it. Yeah. Obviously, I remember... I kind of like said to mum and dad and I was like, I think I might be going on because I was kind of going through the process and I was a bit like, I don't think I told you until like after like my third audition, I don't think. I don't think I told you I had my first one. I don't think I did. So I didn't want to be like getting anyone's hopes off or getting my own hopes up. And then I remember getting that phone call of like, oh, you're going on. And I was like, oh, okay, it's real. And I remember ringing YouTube being like, I'm going on. Like, how did you two feel? for me at that time like obviously I know you, you two had your worries about it and you had to go through your own meetings with you know the welfare team etc etc so I think you were a bit hesitant for, for me to go on a little bit you were mm. I think you both were yeah I think there's always that worry you know and it was it wasn't worry about really the show or anything like that or the format it was more about whether you could cope with it mm because there's good things come with that and there's bad things come with that. And it was more concern about you. And, and if you remember, we talked a lot about it and I was like, why do you want to go on? You know, that was like the first question, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the first thing you said was to represent. The second thing you said was to find love. And, and the third thing you said was, if I make some money, that's a bonus. But, mm. you know, the, I think the answers filled me with a whole load of new perspective on it because you said to represent first. And I thought that needs to happen. Yeah. You know, there's not enough of that. And and if you want to be the one that's brave enough to go and do that, then we'll be right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you'd have said, I want to get rich and famous, I would, I would have said, well, I don't want you to go on. Yeah. Because it's for the wrong reasons, you know. Mm. So, yeah, that was, that was my side. Yeah, of, same really. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of, even before you started going for the auditions and the, the, the interview, you said, I want to be on Love Island. So I, you, you kind of always aspired to, mm. to be on. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, and to be honest, I hadn't really watched it before. Obviously, mm -hmm. I've seen bits of it, people talk about it. So I didn't really understand the whole 
format. So even, even during when you went on it, I was having to message people and say, well, what happens now? <laughs> so I wasn't too sure of how the whole format kind of worked, really. Yeah. But yeah, I think representation was was your main mm. was your main reason, obviously to find to find love, which you have, which is fantastic. And yeah, there was always apprehensions. Mm. It was more of when you came out. Yeah. That I was worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, very proud of you for doing it. Yeah, I've got for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think the mission accomplished on yeah. on. Yeah, the representation and finding love. So you achieved what you wanted to achieve yeah. out of it. Yeah, great. And obviously, it's going a bit deep now. Obviously, experiencing ableism. Obviously, I had no idea when you when you're in the filler, you have no clue what's being said on the outside or you know yeah. what's been even anything. And I remember coming out and obviously having a conversation of like these are kind of some of the things that were said. And I think it's you know that's why I went on the show is to not let that happen because you know ableism happens to so many people like children get bullied in school for it I spoke to Mel last week and she like walks out and people like laugh at her and you know point at her and giggle at her and it's like mm. she experienced ableism out you know and that's that's why this world needs to change and not be so close-minded and I think me going on Love Island I think a lot of people couldn't accept change and I think that's why they were so like you know, daggering at me. And I think it couldn't accept the fact that, you know, the world's changing, it's breaking stigmas, breaking down the boundaries. But yeah, I think how was it for you two to, it's hard for families because they have to deal with it. It's or, really hard. Pretty much. It's, I think what I found most hard is seeing people that have never met you, mm. don't know you, making, and a lot of them are women, women with families, mm. making horrendous comments about you. And it's like, mm. how can you how can you do this when you don't even know her? Yeah. You don't know what she's going through in there. And we could see it. We could see when you were tired and you yeah. were in a break. And we knew why you were probably, you know, you were getting quite upset, but we, we knew why you were getting upset. Mm. You know, it's hard work for you. Yeah. Being in those situations, 24 hours a day, mm. having to, I'm going to start crying. Now, yeah, so <laughs> having to listen yeah. constantly to conversations and you missed out on so much and I could I could see you missing out and I knew when you were in groups and people were talking to you, you didn't understand them and mm. you couldn't hear what they were saying. Yeah. So I understood why you were getting upset and but people making comments when they don't understand was was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Really. And mm. they had no right to. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, I second that. You know, it was it was something. It was just sickening. Yeah, the human race sickened me mm. uh, quite a lot during that period. Not I say just it a not lot. just women on... and families, women and yeah. children. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember pulling. You know, I, so a couple of things that you weren't the only one to suffer that. You know, yeah. when we spoke to the other groups, there was horrendous things being said about mm -hmm. other, other contestants as well, and you just don't get it. You just like uh, why they're so invested in in that. And somebody said the other day, you know, opinions are like assholes. You know, everybody's got one. And that's okay, right, to have an opinion. I'm okay with that. But when it becomes ableism personal. or it becomes really personal and threatening and, I mean, I, I don't want to say some of them that I read about, you know, some of the other people because they're sort of still upset me. But the, the yeah, the human race sometimes can just be so <laughs> evil and, and nasty and, and it's just not necessary. And they've only seen like 20, what, yeah. the programme was how long for? an hour but you only see you take the adverts tell off. the adverts out they're seeing a little snippet of your day and that's yeah. been edited as well so they're not seeing it yeah. true as it yeah. probably was yeah um yeah yeah it was it was really but yeah ju judge, judging people when they don't know them that, that was the hardest yeah. thing you know and mm. um and we did our best to to get the message out there and, yeah. to, and to explain to people we kept quiet at first like no and then it just got too much and yeah. then we did start uh, right let's bang out on the press and get people educated here that it wasn't just about, of course it was about you because we're protective of you, but you wanted to go for representation and part mm. of that representation is how people should react to people with disabilities or superpowers, right? Yeah. Um, or, or how they should help, not not hinder and not belittle them and not point at them like mm -hmm. like Meryl, you know, that's just disgusting. Um, so, so, yeah, I think um, in general, just people can be really bad people mm -hmm. yeah and it's easy when when it was on we were because we had a whatsapp group with with fee and uh, and ty and josh and me and your mum so we stayed in touch sort of before the show and after the show like what's you know what just happened kind of yeah. thing. i don't think we ever watched the show because we're constantly yeah. messaging each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of the things that we did was wrong now i look back on it was that we were communicating and, and pointing out the bad things that were being said about you mm. 
and it's too easy to let that chew you up inside and it did you mm. know it did whereas when you start scrolling through looking for bad stuff you'll find the bad stuff if you scroll past that you see more good stuff and there was a lot lot more, more good, good stuff, stuff you know stuff. probably 90 percent and 10 percent bad yeah. but the bad stuff was really bad yeah and the nice stuff was a lot of it and it was lovely you know and lots of inboxes and just to say i think your daughter's amazing or you know yeah. congratulations to you for raising such a great daughter they still come in you know every now and then if you do a tweet i'll get a message from somebody mm. so we, we we talked about it and we said why don't we flip this round and just start looking at the good stuff yeah right and it worked for me and i think it worked for you yeah i think we all did the, and know. it was ignoring the bad yeah. comments and not yeah. responding to them yeah not giving them that satisfaction that we've actually responded back yeah because you know? it just pours petrol on the fire because then they would you know? come back with something else yeah and it was like an argument you're never gonna win yeah mm -hmm. yeah so we just stopped it with those people mm. it's not worth it really mm. that's kind of like even now mm. like there's so much that still gets said about me that's literally completely made up and it's like they want that reaction from mm -hmm. me to fuel that fire and but also then it's hard because it's like if it's not something you've done or it's not who you are and as a person it's hard to kind of not say anything and be like, you know, fight for myself. So I have every right to, to defend myself. Yeah. And I feel like people forget we are also human, we have feelings. And, yeah. you know, people just think, oh, the islanders, I can deal with it. Mental health's fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Like, mm -hmm. it's hard. I don't think people see the aftermath of what islanders, you know, I've gone through it. Like, you know, my mental health has been up and down after the show. Like, it has been. And it's not always been so high and it's hard when you have people trying to bring you down constantly mm -hmm. yeah. and it's like you need to have to stop looking at the bad stuff and yeah, then, yeah. Mm -hmm. but it's hard to do that you know it's easier said than done but it's it's like you know yeah yeah mm. yeah but you've got to yeah yeah you've got to it's the only way out of it you've got to yeah so it's okay oh, come here give us your hand it's okay. It's okay. Don't, you know, it, like I said before, opinions, everybody's got one. Mm. But it, it does hurt when it's not you and it's not true and, it, and you know, not exactly what you're talking about and it's happened recently on... And those one. people aren't, aren't worth our time. I know, it's like, it's hard when you see the comments of, you know, saying that just horrible things of, like, complete speculation of a lie and it's just like... Mm. They're just trolls who've got nothing better to do with the lies. Yeah. Really, they are. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to stay strong at the same time and try and balance everything at the same time as well. It can be really difficult to do that. I think people see our lives as like a luxury life and, you know, it's amazing. And yeah, the opportunities I've had have been incredible, but it's hard to also balance everything out and mm -hmm. also be in touch with my emotions and my feelings. And it's, it's so hard. Yeah. We know. We know. I, just, I said I was not going to cry. We've got great friends as well and family. You know, that, that's one thing that came out of, you know, when you talk about people commenting, when you were on the show, there was quite a few people, well, she, she knew what Love Island was like, she should be able to hack it. And I'm like, what, she should be able to hack you, your hatred, because she's gone on a TV show to represent and to find love. I, I was... The two just didn't compute for me. I'm like, how do you how do you get that, that to that? It's it's like it's not so it's almost like that some of the viewing public are just there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um and a lot of them were from from you know, made up profiles. Yeah. Yeah. Too scared just, to just own up to who doing they are. it. Yeah. Just to do it. Just yeah. to do it. And I just don't understand people like yeah. that. And I think you know, it's great to have a show like that, but I think the negatives that come with it is kind of like, is it really worth it? Like for people's mental health and, you know, it's hard one, it's a hard one with the, a show like that. But at the same time, I look at positives Like I would have never met Andrew, yeah. for example, of like, you know, having the amazing experience that I did. Like the last two weeks, we had the best time because we were just like together, mm -hmm. we stopped caring. We were like, you know what, we're here, just us two. Mm -hmm. And I remember the last two weeks, I was just so happy and I was fully myself. And I think people could see that. Everyone saw that. Yeah. I think from when, I think it was, obviously you went through a bit of a hard time in there. And um, I think when, especially and Andrew was fantastic and he really stood up for you and protected you. <laughs> I would start mm. crying again. Um, <laughs> and I think from that moment, you could see you change. Mm. Yeah. And you were more relaxed and more happy. And it was just you and Andrew together. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you went into your shell and we could see that every yeah, day. And, and we, you know, it's no secret. It's you been in the yourself. press that we, we talked to the, the welfare team at, at uh, ITV quite a lot over that period. And every time we were assured that happened two days ago and now everything's okay. And, and eventually you see in a few days it, it was okay. But in that period it was it was tough watching mm. as, on the morning briefings when the girls go on the terrace and you were sat there looking damn sad, you know, and not, mm. not engaging in conversation with them until you were asked something. So that, yeah, there was lots of moments and I, I, I publicly said that as well. I wanted to come and drag you out. And Nikki was like, she won't thank you for it. And oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I, I, you know, I, I don't care. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> you might get another chance like Adam did in a few years, but I, I was like, just drag her out. No, she won't. <laughs> just get her out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. A coaster. And yeah. I feel like it was hard for me to kind of find love as well. And I think, you know, you two love Andrew, and I feel like all of it's just been so great and like just mingled well and well, I did put Andrew right at the start so I did yeah you did right at the start yeah. and Andrew's granddad did as well did you, did you yeah yeah did you he was all right I suppose didn't he <laughs> <laughs> look it's interesting you just said that you know you found it hard to find love why mm. why do you think that I think it's because I was like I felt like I wasn't fully like accepted for who I was in a way like, I don't know, I think with dating and stuff, like, I was quite open, like, I'd, I'd be quite honest, but I feel like with Andrew, he really, really fully accepts me for me and he's actually wanting to learn and actually invested in learning, you know, about the deaf community and he's very involved in that and he'll change my batteries for me, like, things like that. It's like what I've been looking for. So I feel like that is love and that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's why I love him for who he is, for what, you know, how he treats me and how he is as a person. So I think... That's kind of like what I mean, I guess. Okay. I'm getting very cringe. No, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. And I'm sat here talking about how much I'm in love with Andrew in front of my parents. If you yeah, can't do can, it in front of us, yeah, who can, can you see, do it? We can see that. You don't have to go, you know, scientists to actually see how much you are both in love with each other. Mm. Yeah. No, it's just yeah. natural. It's very natural. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I think, you know, I'm grateful for you two because, like, you've got me to where I am now. And I think all the hard decisions you've had to make has got me to where I am and and you've always been there for me and like through the hard times that like you never gave up on me and I think that's probably the advice I can give to parents as well is that like don't give up like you have to really hold in there and it will get hard but you have to be mm. in it together kind of thing mm. yeah yeah totally. yeah I think for, for any parent with with anybody that's just found out they've got a superpower or, or existing now there's some sort of top tips I would give them, which is the first one is acceptance, you know, and mm. come to terms with it as quick as you can. It's not that easy, but you've got to. And then you put that plan in place. Secondly, I would say that with um, gratitude, optimism is sustainable. That's not my say. Michael J. Fox said that. Uh, he's got Parkinson's disease. And he said, you know, the way he handles that is he finds something to be grateful for. And then it's easy to be optimistic about the future. Mm. And he does that on a daily basis. And I was like, that's that's a great bit of advice. Reach out to people that can help you. So like mm -hmm. Nikki said, you know, groups and, and the professional services and things like that. And fight as well, because you might have to fight for the right things for your child or, or the person that's got the superpower. Or fight yourself, you know, for sometimes for equipment or for assessments or, you know, just put the effort in and fight. And, and stay positive, you know. T turn any negative energy into a positive, which of course isn't easy. And there's mm. times when you threw your cochlear implant across the bedroom and kicked and screamed oh, yeah. and kicked the doors and mm. blamed us for making you deaf and um Lots of that. I don't know why it didn't break. <laughs> Every time you did it, but it didn't. No, it actually didn't never break. <laughs> I was so surprised it never broke. Yeah, good technology I guess. <laughs> um so yeah, but it so it, it is difficult to stay positive, I know that. And mm. um but Good people around you will lift you and uh, and help you to stay positive if you can't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Well, me good. crying now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I used to have many a many a tantrum. Mm. Yeah, I used to have bad tantrums. Yeah. But when we used to try and tell you off as well, 
like with your implant or your mm. hearing aids, you would just shut. You would either you would shut your eyes so you couldn't see us. Yeah. And we'd have to sign at that point, especially more when you had your hearing aids. We'd have mm. to sign to you at that point because you were still trying to you know learn learn to hear and your speech and everything. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> but you could still hear us a bit, but then you started taking them out. <laughs> so you stand there like with your eyes shut, yeah, and you couldn't hear us. So we couldn't. Yeah. It was impossible telling you off. Couldn't bollock you for. <laughs> I loved it. Like... It was like my secret. Anyone's ever like just having an argument with your parents and you're deaf, just take out your cock of implant at hearing aids and just close your eyes. <laughs> and that's why your problem solved. You don't have yep. to deal with There's it. A lot of that. Tasha's top tip for avoiding trouble. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and you just you stand there going, "Can't hear you. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, open your eyes. No, no. You're like, open them. No. <laughs> at least look at us. No. <laughs> that is so funny. And like, obviously, I say as well, there's a lot of different types of cochlear implants as well. I feel like mm -hmm. people assume there's just one type of cochlear implant. Is that there's so many different companies? And yeah. how did it come about to be registered with medal? Is that just purely because I was like, what's the best option for me? It was a hospital, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's what Bradford uh, supported and, um, mm. and chose as for reasons not known to us, but are probably based on technology and mm. serviceability. When, when they take on a product and give it to lots of people, they've got to have spare parts and the training of the staff on how to adapt it all. So they only offered that one at the time. I don't know if yeah. they offer different no, ones now, know. but... Um, yeah, yeah. It would be silly to get everyone trained up on two or three different products mm. that kind of do the same thing, you know. Mm. But, but Medell was a, a good leader when we when we mm. looked into them. It was like, that looks great. Yeah, they're still going um, strong now. Mm, like, they've yeah. massively... Yeah adapted and there's no, there's so many different types of cochlear implants and I think it's not just one model you see different types you see like one just magnet you see one that's a bit higher like there's so many different mm. types out there and that's just purely because that's you know they provide you what will be best for mm. and they're constantly working on new te technology so there'll mm. be loads more to come in the future mm. just consider this it was 19 years ago when you got yours 19 years in technology is a long long time mm -hmm. a long time it Things is. develop really quickly, so I'm looking forward to like when you had your second one. Yeah, when you had your second one, things sounded differently even from your first to your second. Yeah. Mm. So even mm. that ten years, it it changed so much. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember my one I've got now. So that was a whole new implant. So when I had the reoperation when I was 15, 16, I can't remember what age I was. I think one of them two. But yeah. I had to get it all new, reimplant, mm -hmm. like a newer version, and what my old one was. But even like nowadays, I see cochlear implants where you can just charge it. Like you'd have to change batteries. Ah, cool. There's like chargeable ones now, and like I always forget to put my batteries out. Like even before I came here, Dad was like, "You've got batteries." I'm I was always like, saying that. <laughs> yeah, you got your batteries. <laughs> Mum does it all the time. Yeah. Um, even message her if she's going somewhere. You got your batteries. She's got. She's got better at that. You you were rubbish at that for many years. And ordering them, you're a nightmare at even ordering them. Yeah. yeah. You ordered your batteries, Tasha. I've still got a drawer full of batteries, oh. even in Spain. Still might yeah, be outdated. Yeah, probably. <laughs> And I still, every time I change them, I just leave them all about on the floor. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. In, in my flat. Like Oh, there's one on the floor today. I saw it this morning. <laughs> yeah, they're all over. <laughs> I just don't know how it happens. Unless your bag is full of batteries. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so my cochlear implants, obviously, for NHS as well, that wasn't private. So, obviously, it depends on, you know, you can go private, but I think they're quite expensive. I think it's over the age of 18, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. No. I remember then telling You've us. You've got to go private. It's about on the NHS. It was about thirty thousand yeah. for the for the the operation, the technology, and the ongoing support to the age of eighteen. Mm. So, wow. I don't know if you have to go private after eighteen not or sure. not. I don't know. I think mm. if you're a suitable candidate, they would do it. But they prefer to to implant younger people because your brain's a bit more of a sponge, you know, yeah. and you can adapt a lot quicker when you're younger, uh, yeah. cognitively. You grow up with it as well, I guess. So it's kind of yeah, yeah. It does make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for anybody that was hearing and then you're starting to lose your hearing, a hearing aid is probably a better option. You know, mm. um, it's all down to the type of loss, and and they will advise on on that. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because people can get like tinnitus, tinnitus, tinnitus. Yeah, in your ears. Yeah, yeah. So I think like hearing aids. A lot of people get that mixed up as well. Hearing aids, cochlear implants, are the same thing. Like even now, people mistake this for a hearing aid when, yeah, so different. Like a hearing aid is there to amplify sounds and just make things a bit louder for you. Whereas cochlear implants are actually sur surgically done, about yeah. seven to eight hours surgery, and you know, such a big difference between the two. And I feel like there's not enough education on the differences as well. Like mm. I get a lot of people still say 
it's the hearing aid. I'm like, no, actually, it's a cochlear implant because mm. not many people know about cochlear implants. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they look the same. It, it, you know, you've got an over the over the ear mm. microphone and a processor and a battery pack. Yeah. yeah. So it looks the same as a hearing aid. So I can understand why. Yeah. The, the clever bit's the inside bit, actually, with that other sort of ten pence piece under the skin, and then a lot of fiber optics that are pushed into mm. the into the cochlea to, st to to try and replace the hairs that were missing. It's really clever technology i mean whoever invented it the first person i can't remember his name i, I doubt they're still alive but um i would love to shake their hand because there was great. a name i did i think maybe it might be charles something yeah. i might be making that up but he was like the first guy to like ever invent it mm. um back in the days so yeah. it's crazy yeah crazy yeah anyway i feel like this has been a lovely chat <laughs> and i feel like we've got a lot of a lot out there and I hope that parents listening to this kind of can take something away from this and you know my DMs are always open on my page and always you know even mum and dad's as so, well yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know just remember you're not alone like you know surround yourself with good people and reach out if you need that advice so I've got one question for you two what would you say my superpower is um you haven't got one <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Um, I, I would say resilience. Mm. I would you. say resilience. Yeah, you've you've shown and demonstrated resilience on multiple occasions. Mm. Through thick water, you've you've managed to keep sailing. So yeah, yeah resilience for me. Probably resilience and strength, because mm. you have shown how how strong you can be yeah. throughout your whole life from the moment mm. we found out you were profoundly deaf. Yeah, you just work so hard, do everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So your strength, strength and resilience, yeah, and your kindness. Yeah. Thanks, mum. <laughs> oh, if we're allowed more, I've got, like, I've got a big list. I've got a massive list. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to come up with one. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But your humble, yeah, humbleness. You, you, you know, you've actually become even more humble than you were before you went in Love Island. You've come out a. a a woman actually you, you changed in there <laughs> and become a very humble beautiful woman who's helping lots of other people and um, we couldn't be proud of, of, of yeah. that alone you know so keep going kid thank you love you love you too love you too <laughs> thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed and took something useful from this episode don't forget to follow Superpowers with Tasha on your favourite podcast platform. And together, let's make our world a more inclusive and accepting place. One conversation at a time. See you next time. <laughs>